0: Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. We want to get into the Word of God and um, I want us to be on our feet as we take our key text. We took it last week. I'm continuing the message we heard last week. And um, hopefully we can get some time this morning to just pray into the word of God. We can get some time to pray. Please let's be on our feet as we take our key text. Psalm 22 verse 31 in the amplified version. Psalm 22 verse 31 in the amplified version. Psalm 22 verse 31 in the amplified version. Let's read. It says, They shall come. And shall declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it, that it is finished. Hallelujah, that it is finished. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this gathering. It is unto the Lord. It is not unto man. It is not unto me. Lord God, it's not even unto the building. It is unto you. And Lord God, even as we gather, we pray that you will descend in your power and in your might. Speak your word, your word has power to break, to crash, to build. Lord God, to restore, your word is life. And so Lord God, speak your words through me. Let the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth, let them be acceptable to you, O Lord, my God, and my redeemer this morning. Have your way, do what only you can do, not me, not, not my words, but your words. I submit to your mighty hand. And Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room this morning. That our hearts will be opened. And Lord God, let the entrance of your word bring light. Lord God, let it empower. Let it break yokes and set us on a new plane. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week, we um, God sent us a word. And God told us, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It was a powerful service and all through the week I was waiting for the sermon to listen as though I were not the one who preached but to listen and also be on the receiving end. I wasn't getting it so I I kept going back to my notes to just speak them over myself and hear them um, as it were from the mouth of God to myself. But this morning I just want to top it up and just bring a conclusion to the word of the Lord and then we can get into prayer Amen. Last week we established that in Psalm 22 what we see is a psalm that is a prophecy. It's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. is a messianic psalm. Because when David penned this psalm, Jesus was, had not come. How did he know that there would be a day where the Messiah would come and would hang on the cross and cry, Oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And how would he have known that Jesus would hang on the cross and say it is finished? Several chapters down the line, several thousands of years, even after he had penned it down. And so we understood that when God speaks, when God speaks to us, he's committed to bring it to pass. He's committed to fulfill it. And one of the greatest things that God has done for us is fulfilling the promise to reconcile us back to himself. To fulfill the promise, to bring us back into his image and his stature. To fulfill the promise that we again would have fellowship with him. And Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, he fulfilled this promise. He sent his son and he died for us. Hallelujah. And we began to see that when God or when Jesus hung on the tree in Matthew chapter 19... And the words, it is finished. Matthew nineteen thirty. When he spoke these words, it is finished. It meant that he had paid it all. He had done it all. It meant that the work was completely done. It meant that he had paid every price there was to pay and there was nothing left except for us to accept that which he, has, he had bought for us. Our freedom, our liberty, life, eternal. Amen. We understood that when Jesus spoke the words, he spoke it in the perfect tense. So in the Greek, he spoke it in the perfect tense. And in the perfect tense, you would say a thing that has been done in the past. It was completed in the past, but it's effect crosses time and its effect lingers on. And so Jesus said it is finished, meaning he had accomplished it, it was sealed, it was done. But it was not only done for the past, it was done forever. It was something that would have effect across generations, across nations, across time. Hallelujah. And it, it syncs with what Psalm 22 says and what we read this morning. Because the David says that this will be declared to a people who are not yet born. David understood that when these words will come, it will not just be for the people of the time. It will not just be for the apostles, the early apostles, but it will be for people that are not even born at the time Jesus uttered these words and these words have stood over time and we began to see that a man's dying words contain perhaps the greater secret of his life or that thing that he wants to see done and we know that uh, this was what Jesus spoke on his last breath. After this, Jesus said nothing again. He was dead. This was what he spoke on his last breath. In other words, the treasures in the gospel. In other words, every secret in the gospel is hidden in these words, it is finished. And it is the greatest truth. Hallelujah. So what is the implication for us today? What what does it mean for us? Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished and he gave up his spirit. What is the implication for us? What should we do with it The psalmist said that this should be declared to the people, to a people who are not yet born, that it is finished. We have come. We were not there when Jesus declared it, but the psalmist says it must be declared to us, and we have come to hear it. Why should it have been declared to us? Why must we hear it? Why must we know it? Why must it speak to us? What is the implication for us? What is the implication for us, What is it? It is finished. What, what does it mean for us today? You and I living in this present time. Amen. There are so many things that we have gotten and we have worn through Christ and his death on the cross. We are reconciled to the Father. That is what Jesus did for us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that therefore if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. The old things are passed away. He says, behold, everything is made new. He says, now all these things, verse 18, are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed us, or he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so one of the greatest things that we find is that God has reconciled us, Christ has reconciled us back to the Father. We also find that sin, apparently sin, has no power. Sin has no power in Romans chapter 6, it says, For sin shall not be a master of you. In other versions, it says, Sin no longer has dominion over you. This is what it is finished should mean to us in this age. Sin doesn't have dominion. It doesn't have the power. You are no longer slaves to sin. Bible says, Whoever you present yourself as a slave to, That is the one that is your master, but Jesus came so that you can be free from the slavery of sin, so that the old nature no longer has to rule, so that you have the the room to decide where you stand. Sin, the power of sin is broken. We are free. We are not bound. We are not slaves. We have eternal life. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Before Jesus, the enemy could steal from us. He could kill. He could destroy. But he says, Jesus says, I have come to oppose that. And that is no longer your story. That the enemy will steal from you and kill and destroy. He says that in Christ, you have life and you have it more abundant. He calls us his sons calls us joint heirs with christ can you imagine the, the power and the authority that jesus has we stand in that place with him and that's something i want us to focus on even today and pray on it tells us we have the holy spirit literally because of what christ did on the cross no other price had to be paid he told the, the disciples, he told the apostles, he told the disciples at the time to wait in the upper room. And he said, the promise that I have given to you, he will come. He will come. We know throughout scripture in, 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 the, in the gospel of John from about John um, 13, 14, 15, 16, Jesus continually spoke to them about the Holy Spirit. And that was a promise that he had made to them that you are going to have God indwell you. You would not need to run to somebody. You will have him within. You can shut your eyes and begin to say, God, I know you're with me. I know you're in me. What would you have me do? His power, his nature, everything resides in you. What a privilege. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We have the Holy Spirit. God indwells us. God indwells us. We are healed. We are delivered. We are healed. We are not bound any longer. We are delivered. Hallelujah. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have access to what he has because we are with him. We are seated in heavenly places with With him. And we have the authority. What man lost when man fell in that garden was the authority. When God declared, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness he continues in the verse 27 in Genesis chapter 1. He says, and let them have dominion. In other words, the singular most powerful thing about God, God shared it with us. There's no one, nothing in this age or in any age to come in the heavens, in the earth, under the earth that is more powerful than God. He has all power in his hands. And when God created man, he said, see, I'm going to make you my ambassador, making you my representative. And so you... You have that authority. When you speak to things, they must move. You have authority over this earth and everything that is in it. He said, let them have dominion. And in Christ Jesus, our dominion and our authority is brought back. Hallelujah. Is brought back. Hallelujah. I want us to go to um, Luke chapter 4. And I want to draw a parallel between Luke chapter 4 and the words of... Paul, hallelujah. In Luke chapter 4, and we read this text last week, we understood that this was Jesus' mission statement. This was his mission statement when he came into the earth. This is what he came to do. And most likely part of what he was saying when he said it is finished is saying, what I came to do, I have done it, and I have done it perfectly. In Luke chapter 4, he says, It says from the verse 17, it says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I have the unction to perform. This is what I was created and blessed with every virtue for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Bible says in the verse 20, And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Jesus came into the synagogue after he had gone into into the wilderness. Bible says 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus fasted. He was in the presence of God and he fasted. He fasted. And in that place, he was tempted with the same temptations that, 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 that Adam and Eve fell from. He was Tempted in the ways that man was tempted as well, but Bible tells us that Jesus overcame, and when he overcame it, Jesus came out, and the first thing he did when he came out was enter into the synagogue and declare his mission, why he came to the earth, what he came to do, and Bible says when he declared his mission, then Jesus found his seat and he sat in it. A seat is a symbol of authority. A seat is a place of standing. is a place of authority and power it signifies that you have a certain reach when you go before the king when you go to uh, Asanteman and you go before the king he doesn't stand for you you are the one who stands and even bows he stays in his seat and then you do what you have to do a seat is a place of authority when we come into Ephesians chapter 1, Paul begins to break this down for us, hallelujah. Paul begins to take us into this idea of Christ seeking what he did in Luke chapter 4 was a symbol or was was telling the people this is what is going to be there is a seat i am going to take when this mission is done i'm definitely going to fulfill it this is surely going to be done and when it is done i'm going to take my place as the one who is above all things the one who is above everything hallelujah and this is one thing that I want you to know because this is what shows you where you are and where you stand and what it is finished should look like to you and in you. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying for the church and then he begins to talk about what we must know remember that when the psalmist wrote these words he said these words must be declared to a people yet to be born what does that mean it means that these this word or whatever this man who would die is going to say should be something that these people should come to know It should be something that these people come to know. And when Jesus hung on the cross in John chapter 19, Jesus declares these words as his final words. And I believe that that is what he wanted us to come to know. So in Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul begins to pray and he's saying, Let's go down to the verse 17. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart or your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. Believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might hallelujah so Paul is saying you know these things you must know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. In other words, if you gave your, Christ, your life to Christ and you did not know these things, your life or your Christianity or your walk would be limited. And so Paul was praying fervently and he said, this is what you must know. Just like the psalm is declared, let it be declared to the people yet to be born that he has done it and it is finished. It is finished. Gives us access to these things, to a certain hope. It gives us access to the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in us. There is something that we have that nobody can take away. It's in us. The inheritance that God gave to us through Christ Jesus is not not just the things of this life that someone can snatch out of your hand, someone can pass, and then you don't have it anymore. No, he says it is in us. And he says the surpassing or the exceeding greatness of his power. Now let's continue. He says, toward us who believe. Toward us who believe that it is finished, it is done, it is completed, it is totally paid for. This is what he works in you and for you. And he goes on, he begins to explain what it looks like. He says, these things are according not to your power, not to your own strength, not to the falling man, no, but to the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he seated him, hallelujah, and he seated him. Jesus did not just get up from the grave and is hanging around, no, he took a certain place. He took a certain place. He says this was what God worked in Christ. And he said the same power, what he worked in Christ, is what he has made available to you. He says when he raised Jesus from the grave and seated him, and seated him. Jesus has taken his place of authority. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. It says far above far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, not even only in the time that Paul was writing. Paul was not there when Jesus died, but Paul was talking about what the death of Jesus had afforded us. And he said, this power that I'm talking about and what we have gotten through Christ Jesus is not only for my time, says, but even for the ages to come. He says, and he put all things under subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the body. That is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things. Hallelujah. If you gave me a seat, I have a head on my head. But if you gave me a seat, it's the rest of my body that finds rest. I don't take off my head and put my head on the seat no one does that if you came into my home and i said oh have a seat it is your body that finds rest on that seat and bible tells us that jesus christ when he was raised up, the kind of power that God used to bring the dead back to life, to roll the tombstone, are ah, the kind of power that causes a man to come back out of the grave, even in greater fashion, in greater strength. He says that is the power. According to that power, he works the hope of his calling, the great riches of his inheritance in us, his saints, and the surpassing power. And the surpass that is, it is that measure of power, the kind of power that raised Jesus. And not, not just raised him from the grave, but gave him a seat. That is the power that is working in you. Hallelujah. When we hear it is finished, understand that everything that Jesus is, you have been afforded the same. Will you take it or will you not? And that is why the psalmist said, this must be declared to all. We must hear it and we must know. And so Paul says, I pray that they would know. They would know. They would know. And when you know, the only question after when you know is, will you stand in that place? Will you take your seat? Or you would, you would turn away from it and act like you don't know what he has for you. Act like you don't know what he wants for you. Let's go into Ephesians chapter 2 and let's go into the verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, And raised us up with him. Bible says there was a power of God that raised Jesus from the grave. And set him in his seat. And the seat that Jesus took is a seat that is above all principality and powers and dominions and thrones. It it, it says he has given him a name that is above all names. The the seat that Jesus took is above every name that has been mentioned ever or will ever be mentioned. Even in this earth or in the heavens, anywhere, The, the, the seat that Jesus took is above all names. And he says everything has been put under his feet. Then we come into Ephesians chapter 2 and Paul is saying, you know, actually what happened is that in the death and resurrection of Christ, what happened was that you two were raised and you two were seated with him. When When Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished, he was not just talking about his part of the deal. He was not just talking about himself. He was speaking into the years and the generations and the ages to come. And he was telling us that, see, what I have done covers for you as well. And when you come into this world, know that it is already finished in your case. You also have a seat. You are with me. In Christ Jesus, we take our place. We are the body of Christ. And if the head has a a seat and a name that is above all, Then we are the ones who are there. And so Paul gets into this place and Paul says, and God raised us up with him. And God seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he doesn't end there. I like the verse 7. He says, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, Jesus was saying that those who will come to believe, like it says in Ephesians 1, towards those who believe, I will have an opportunity to explain to the world what I meant by it is finished. Your life and my life is supposed to be a proof and an evidence to our world. What Jesus did and what he has accomplished. You're not supposed to come into this life, accept Jesus, and go to sleep. And then wake up one day and you are in heaven. No. Jesus intended that what he did covered every age, but he knew that people had to see it. We are not standing at the foot of the cross literally today, all we have are these words. That is what makes us see what it looked like when he was on the cross. But he's saying that through you that I might show in the times to come what is the riches of this inheritance. Everything I want for you on that cross, I need an avenue to show it to the world. I need an avenue to show it to the world so that believer who's struggling with sin, masturbation fornication stealing here a little lying God is saying to you Christ Jesus is saying I want your victory over sin I want your victory over sin and I'm looking for space and an avenue in you to be able to show the world and show that I'm believer that it is possible to live above sin because I already took the victory because I already took the victory When he said it is finished, he did not just mean then, he meant even now. He meant it for your children and their children's children. He meant it for every age. But he did not just mean it in words. Even though we hear it in words, God was looking for an opportunity to show what he really wants. When he said in, 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 in his mission that I came to preach the gospel to the poor. You and I are a testimony of that. We heard the words of the gospel. We, we, you can't even explain what it is that changed your heart. And you are seated here today. Your life has been surrendered. Someone, someone isn't here. We are testimonies of the fact that the power of Jesus is able to convert a sinner. And bring them into light. I know I am a testimony of that. You don't have to remain the same. You have no excuse for remaining the same. Because sin doesn't have dominion over you. He said he came to preach the gospel to those who are of a poor and a broken spirit. Those who are willing to hear. And when you hear it, the power of the gospel becomes life to you. And is able to translate you from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you and I are a testimony of that. We can say that, yes, we have been changed. But it doesn't end there. He says he came to proclaim freedom or liberty to those who are captives. You don't have to remain bound. Jesus, God, is looking for somebody through whose life he can show to the world that in Christ Jesus I want freedom and liberty for those who are bound. For those who are bound, I remember after Jesus' death when Peter was caught and they wanted to kill Peter, and Peter was put in the prison. And Bible tells us that sometime in the night Peter was asleep. Peter wasn't praying. But the body was praying, the church was praying for him. And Bible says that an angel just woke him up. Chains don't have to, and that is even a physical circumstance where we would say, hey, no, you need to explain it. That's not even spiritual. We know God is spirit. So when we talk about spiritual liberty, that should make sense. But this is even to the physical dimension. And Bible says an angel tapped him and said, get up. And Peter got up, and when he got up, he realized that the chains had fallen. The stocks on his hands and on his feet had fallen. And he's like, oh, okay. And he moves to the gate. And Bible says Peter doesn't have to break it. Peter doesn't have to push it down. Peter doesn't have to do anything. All he has to do is to stand there. And the power and the presence of God in him, because he believed, because he was for Christ, It says that that gate opened and Peter came out free. Nobody could stop him. Nobody could see. The surpassing greatness of his power. These are the things that he wants for us. And they must be evident in us. Ephesians 2.7. He says so that he can put us on display. He needs the world to see what he did. He needs the world to understand that it is finished. Will your life be that which he uses to show the world? Or will you refuse to know? Will you refuse to receive insight? Will you still sit there and say, Oh, oh, the devil tempted me. Will you still be there? Will you still act helpless? Will you still remain as you were? Would you not prove that indeed the blood that was shed on Calvary and the death of Jesus Christ has afforded us everything that pertains to life and to godliness and has given us an inheritance that nobody can take from us has made us like Jesus. Has made us like him. 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 him. So that in the ages to come, he might show, he might show, he might show his surpassing riches, the riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that he might show, so that he might reveal, so that he might show it to the world. It is finished but if the world will know that it is finished, the effect must continue. We must see the effect today. And Jesus today is calling for somebody. And is saying, all that I want, all the things we talked about last week. He says, I want a life to show it through. I want a life to show all that I want, all that I said it is finished to. I want a life to show it through. To show it. And last week I was saying how you might be listening and you might be thinking to yourself, well, (laughs) pastor, yeah, I mean, Jesus said it is finished, but it is finished for Jesus. So it's not me because I'm dealing with too much. I'm in so much. And I asked us a question last week that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, nails through his hands in utter pain, his heart was breaking because he had been separated from the Father. But physically, his heart felt like it was going to burst because of the intensity of the pain. And imagine the nerves connected to your heart. And the nail has gone through and shattered that, those nerves and the bones around it. And your heart feels like it's just going to explode. Literally, that was happening to Jesus. And whilst that was happening, he said, it is finished. And I asked us last week, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and going through all that, did it look like it was finished? It didn't. It, it did not look like it was finished. People were laughing. People were asking, ah, so this man cannot save himself? He raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, the least he can do is to say something and some thunder will strike. And he would just fly off the cross, but he endured it, and he said it is finished, and I asked us, when he was hanged, did it look like it was finished, no, but indeed it was, if it was not finished, you and I will not be here, you and I will not be, see, I know I wouldn't be standing here, pastor, for where, it is finished not based on your present circumstances, not based on what you're going through. It is finished because Jesus said it is finished. It is finished because Jesus won it all. And your place is to believe and begin to submit your life to him, that Lord God, let me be the avenue through which the world sees that indeed it is finished. Another thing I remember is on the day of Pentecost, Bible tells us That they were gathered and that promise came. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had spoken so much of the Holy Spirit. If it was not finished, would they have received the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be just like God. That empowers us to do the works that he did. When they received the Holy Spirit on that very day, Bible tells us that 5,000 people turned to Christ in the preaching of the gospel. That is what it is finished looks like. Bible tells us in the next chapter that there was a man at the temple gate. And Bible says, they said to the man, we don't have silver and gold. It's not like our circumstance looks perfect, but we know that it is finished. We know that something has taken place and we have something that money cannot buy and money cannot give. And we give that, we impart that to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, rise up and walk. And Bible tells us that because it is indeed finished, because Jesus did it all indeed, mere men could raise that cripple from where he was seated. I remember in Acts chapter 28, and this is actually the text that brought me into this sermon Because I was praying for this house and God sent me into Acts chapter 28 and he said, this is what it looks like. And in the eyes of my mind, I could see as it were like our house or this house. In Acts chapter 28, Paul goes onto this island and we know the story. And the people had an inscription. They served a God that they did not know. And so they had it inscribed to an unknown God. And in this chapter of, Bible, of scripture, Bible tells us that Paul went and he began to minister to them. And he began to show them and point them to our Lord Jesus Christ. And to tell them that that is actually the God that you serve. He is the unknown God. And he is the one that you must worship. The word of the Lord tells us that these people were so moved by the words that Paul spoke. The power of the words that Paul spoke. And so they entertained him. They asked him to stay. And Bible says at night they gathered sticks and and, and they set fire. And Bible tells us that a snake came out and latched itself onto Paul's hand. And God was giving me a picture of how when you come to Christ Jesus, because of the fire, because of the power, because of what God wants to do, because you have brought your life into alignment with all that he has in mind, thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an unexpected end, because of that, the enemy reacts. He reacts. He begins to send arrows and begins to do things. Even Jesus had to go through it. Jesus was born, and when, when the enemy sensed that, hmm, this is the king, this is, this, this, this cannot, I cannot let this remain. He began to look for him. He wanted to kill him. He used Herod. And many lost their lives because of a baby. And God began to speak to me and said, this is what it looks like. There's so much power in this house. There's so much grace. There's so much love in this house. And when when someone begins to align, what happens is that the enemy begins to, uh, to, to react. The enemy does not want you to stay there. The enemy wants you to panic. The enemy wants to scare you. But God began to tell me, Jenny, that same fire that makes the enemy react is the same fire that is able to deal with the enemy. And the Bible tells us what Paul did. Paul did not panic. The people around were panicking. The people around began to say, oh, this man, yeah, surely he must not be from God. Hey, if he was from God, can this happen? There were superstitious people, and they interpreted what Paul had gone through in that moment as something, a bad omen, an evidence that, hmm, He's not actually a true man of God. He's not really a prophet. No, he's bad. They even called him a murderer. If you go back to read Acts 28, they wandered amongst themselves. But Paul did not, he didn't budge. Bible tells us that Paul just shook that snake back into the fire. The people hung around, they were waiting. He's going to swell. This man will die. Nothing happened. Because it is finished. The power of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You see, no matter how it looks like to you, you might be going through things and it might look like to you that, hey, this thing there to finish me. But the truth of the matter is that the power of Christ in your life is bigger, greater than any trouble, any situation you could ever find yourself in. The power of our Lord Jesus is able to deal with anything that you might find tormenting your life. If you would stay your ground and if you would just shake it back into the fire. Don't move away from the fire. Don't feel helpless. The fire is what will deal with it. Stay close to God. Stay in his word. Stay in his will. Stay in him. Continue to speak it over yourself. It is finished. Fight the enemy from a place of victory. Paul stood right there in the presence of all the people and he said, okay, here you go. He shook that serpent representing any attack, representing any infirmity, representing anything that the enemy could ever throw at you. He shook it back into the fire, into the surpassing greatness of his power. He shook it back into the fire. And Bible says there was nothing that went wrong with Paul. That is what it is finished looks like. I'm not telling you that it is finished means it will be a rosy life. When Jesus was saying it, he had blood all over his body. He was dying. But what I am telling you that is that it is finished Gives you a place that is above all. It is finished means that at that point where it looks like you're, you're dying is not the end. It's not, it's not, that is not where the story ends. The enemy will not have the last laugh. There will be a comeback. There will be a raising up. There will be a seating in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is what I'm telling you. And no matter how bad it looks. Jesus is looking for people through whom he can demonstrate that it is finished. And so in that problem that you're carrying, in that weight and in that sin that seems to overbear you, Jesus is looking for an avenue to show, to prove to you and to prove to others that what I did on Calvary Cross, it works. This medicine called salvation Call the blood of Jesus, it is potent. It is potent at all times. It actually works. So the next time you come upon a challenge or the enemy does something or an arrow is thrown or you're going through a tough time, don't move away from God. Don't sulk and get into a place where you, oh, I don't even know what. No. That is when you take your authority. That is when you begin to declare that it is finished. That is where you shake the serpent back into the fire and say, look, you have no power over me. The power of Jesus Christ at work in me is far greater than anything that you can do, oh Satan. He's looking. He's looking for lives where he can demonstrate his power. Where he can demonstrate his power. He's looking for people who will side with him and defy the enemy. And defy the enemy. In anything, in bitterness, in hatred, in unforgiveness, those are things that nobody can see you're dealing with. (laughs) It's easy to come and shout and work some miracles, but when there's a hidden sin and when there's a sin of the heart, Bible calls it iniquity. And that one, if you keep it, you are off. Even those, he's given us power to rise above it if you would allow him if you would allow. It. Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.